Morning Wellspring. I want you to hear this song. get this song out of my mind. This one was arranged by a pastor friend of mine in Pittsburgh releasing a blessing over their city. And it captures the heartbeat of the church to bless, to turn outward, not inward, not to focus on protecting ourselves in fear, but blessing others in faith. And in this season, like every season, church, that's our posture. And turn to Psalm 144, because this psalm has this outward posture and leads us to bless others. It concludes in verse 14, 15, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. I long for this blessing. I long for this blessing because I see the brokenness of our world. I can't get the pictures in, out of my mind of the video death of George Floyd. Arrested by police officers, he was pinned to the ground, knee to his neck, groaning, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And he was suffocated and died. Law enforcement associations agree that his death is deeply disturbing and should be of concern to all Americans. One picture that disturbs me in the video is of an Asian American police officer just standing by, obviously uncomfortable, doing his job and not knowing what to do. And the passivity in the face of this injustice is disturbing because I feel how easily I slip into that role. In light of this video, verse 12 of Psalm 144 feels impossible. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. Is that really possible? Is that possible for African American sons and daughters to flourish and to grow? Or will they live with a posture of fear from those who are supposed to serve and protect them? How I long for verses 14 and 15 to be a reality. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. May there be no cry of I can't breathe. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. I honestly honestly don't know what to do. My heart aches as I see this. And so in conclusion, I want to read a poem and a prayer written by a pastor friend. The district superintendent overseeing our churches, Alliance churches in the New York area, Kelvin Walker. And I've uh, shortened some of his own thoughts, but I want to share them with you here. He prays, I can't breathe. It's a simple phrase, just three words, that the power of them said over and over again should have been enough to alert those who were constraining him. That the first they were using was beyond unnecessary. It was cruel and excessive and they should have backed off to let him catch his breath. Instead, he's now, he's now dead, silent. And we wouldn't 
know what happened without the video speaking for him. Because obviously, he can't speak for himself anymore. I can't breathe. So church, help me breathe. Stand up and say no more. Reject injustice at its very core. Brothers and sisters, help me breathe. Weep, wail, and lament over lives senselessly taken by evil intent. People of God, help me breathe. Root out injustice at its core. Let that which God abhors be abhorred by you and me. Until the day we all stand free and see the Imago Dei in all humanity, then and only then will we put a stop to this craziness that fuels racism and injustice. But until then, I'll pray for you. And you pray for me, because right now, I can't breathe. Wellspring, would you join me in praying then? Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Stretch out your hand from on high. Let's pray his blessing in our worship. God bless you. Our country sure could use a blessing right now, couldn't it? It could use some hope. That's how I felt this week. Last week, we talked about giving a blessing to others, even when others do evil, specifically evil to us. And we saw evil in action all this week. We saw a video released, as was shared, as was described, that displayed with callousness 
the murder of George Floyd. And previously, over the last few weeks, we saw a video released about Ahmaud Arbery, a black man just running through a neighborhood who was murdered. And we heard stories of Breonna Taylor murdered in her own home while she slept. All of these things have been building and building and building and and simmering for some time. And it seems like they've entered this pressure cooker of the pandemic where we've seen issues of racism become even more clear as, as Asian Americans were accused of being patient zero. Asian Americans shopping, picking up medicines for their family, going to work, coming back from work. We're being told to go back to China. Whether they were Chinese or Japanese or Korean or even Filipino, they were being told to go back. Our own president of the Christian Missionary Alliance had to issue a stern warning in one of his videos, Perspectives on a Pandemic, to say, stop. And I've seen all this week as the outrage has, well, it's exploded. I've been asked as the church to do something. I've been asked to stand up and let my voice be heard. And I've wondered how to do that. I have wondered for a long time how to do that. As a white man, how do I stand up against racism? As a, as a white Canadian from northern Ontario, Canada, a town of, of 800 people who only moved to the country 15 years ago, how do I take a stand against something so old, so sinister, so evil? I prayed about that. And oftentimes what my response has been is I'll post some prayers and thoughts and we'll have a mention in the service. Then we'll move on. We'll continue on with our series and go on with our life. But this, this just seems different. Something has, has gnawed at me. And so on this day of Pentecost, it's actually uh, that we celebrate Pentecost when the, the Holy Spirit birthed the church Um, It is pretty fitting that God started to nudge me during my sermon prep all this week to say, speak to this. Speak to this issue. Speak to this issue in our church, our predominantly white church. Because how do we take a stand as a small church in Gates, New York, just outside of Rochester, apparently one of the hotbeds now of of uh, violence and protests and outrage. How do we take a stand? And it dawned on me, in no small part to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, but it dawned on me that what we talked about last week is actually the solution to what we have faced this week. And so I'm going to do something really, really rare. We're going to relook at the same scripture that we just looked at last week. I'm not preaching the same sermon twice, although I was thinking about doing that. 
what we're going to do is something different. We're going to look at the text again about why we should be a blessing when evil is done to us. And we're going to consider why should we give a blessing? Why should the church rise up? And how do we do that in light of what has happened in the evil of racism that has happened this past week? This is kind of a first for me. I've never actually preached a sermon twice back to back or looked at the same passage twice back to back in the same church uh, two consecutive Sundays in a row. This is, this is very strange. But as I look at the text, as we talk about and think about what we said last week and how it might apply to the issue of racism, there become some clear applications as to how you and I can rise up as the church and be a blessing as God has commanded us to do against this evil. So if you have your Bible with you, uh, turn with me in them to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, check out the verses on the screen. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, Repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you did not uh, join us last week and you have not had a chance to watch the sermon from last week, uh, we'll kind of walk through some of the points that we talked about last week, but I encourage you to do so. You can find the the message on our website uh, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can listen to last week's message on the blessing of being a blessing. But, As we look at the things about what it means to be a blessing, we discover what it means to stand up to the evil of racism in a really applicable way, even for people who are not directly facing the brunt of racism. And so, let's consider what we learned last week. We learned that last week, the life that you enjoy is available to you when you're a blessing because you gain truth in your life and peace in your life. Well, how does it help to have truth and peace in a world and in a country and in an environment that is loaded and charged and exploding with racism? Well, I think there's two ways that you can uh, that you can apply truth to your life and to this situation. The first is I think we need to learn history. Um, as a Canadian growing up, I did not learn a lot of American history. As a matter of fact, one of my undergraduate studies, uh, I kind of majored and got a Bachelor of Arts in history, but it was Canadian history and ancient history. I don't know a lot about American history. As a matter of fact, when I started to research uh, what has been going on in Minnesota specifically and the history of uh, police brutality there and the distrust of the black community and the police force there, and the history of that, I was astonished. I, I kind of remembered, but I didn't know it, it ran that deep and ran for so long. And so I learned some things 
about that. Another thing I learned as I learned the truth was that black fathers have to give a different kind of talk to their sons and daughters than white fathers do, than white parents might have to. You see, uh, Dr. R.A. Vernon gave an interview uh, on uh, News 5 in Cleveland, and he's a pastor at the Word Church there, and he shared these thoughts. You know, the talk for a black father is not about, you know, sexual intimacy or anything like that. It's about how not to get killed by the police. Every parent, every father, when their child hits around eight, nine years old, every black father has to sit down and say, if they ever pull you over, put your hands on the dash, don't reach for your cell phone, ask permission to make a call, that sort of thing. And he said, I'm finding it hard to believe that we still have to give the talk and we have to talk about it more. And he said, we have to use these injustices as learning educational experiences for our children. And he went on to say that, you know, to act like color has nothing to do with this is so naive. And it's, it's one of these times, these recent days, he said, it's, this is one of those times I don't feel like being sweet. And I don't think Jesus would be very nice about it either. I think he'd be very upset. And that leads me to my second point. I don't think we'd only have to learn our history, but, but we need to learn the history of the perspective of what it means to be black in America today. I think we have to know also how God views what it's like to be black in America today and how he feels about it. Because I think Dr. Vernon is right. I don't think he's pleased. As a matter of fact, I think God gets particularly upset when people are reduced to something less than being made in his image and treated like they are less than his image. The church was founded to eliminate all of that. We've often said that our church, the cross is the great leveler. And Paul would say in his uh, great letter to the Galatian church that in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For you are all for as many as of you that were baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no race anymore. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself. In one of the one times he would get irate was when he changed, uh, when he uh, flipped over the tables and chased out the money lenders in the temple. Why? Because those moneylenders at a time of Passover were creating a barrier for those who weren't Jewish and didn't have the economic means to come into a relationship with God, to come and pray. And Jesus chased them all away at the, the highest point when all sorts of cultures, all sorts of Judaizers were coming back to celebrate Passover. Jesus chased them away at the time when they could earn the most money because of the largest crowds. And he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of robbers. No, I don't think Jesus is pleased at all 
As a matter of fact, I think he gets very irate. I think God gets very irate when racism is exposed and it dwells within us, when it dwells within our culture. It's destructive. The reason why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of the way that they lived in the lap of luxury and treated outsiders, the poor, like they were second-class, third-class, fourth-class, no-class citizens. I think we need to learn the truth about what it means to live as a black person in America. I think we need to learn our Bible. I think we need to learn the truth of how God really views when people harbor in their hearts and then act on it like it's no big deal that other people aren't made in the image of God simply because of the color of their skin. We need that truth in our lives. And we need to be peacemakers. We talked last week. Again, if you missed the message last week, I encourage you to watch the uh, playback of it on our website, grab the podcast, because we talked about the four G's of biblical peacemaking. We talked about uh, glorifying God, getting the log out of your own eye. We talked about how uh, we need to uh, gently restore. We need to go and be reconciled. That we need to have peace in our life pursue peace in our life. And that means that we cannot just sit idly by, that we cannot say nothing, that we must pursue something. And we, once we learn that truth, we have to pursue peace. Church, we have to rise up. We have to be peacemakers in this area. So if we were to apply the four G's to racism, how would we be biblical peacemakers? Well, if we consider what it would mean to glorify God in the situation, it means we Think about what would it mean to bring him glory, to bring him honor, to bring him praise into the circumstance. So how do I post about that on my social media? Is what I post on social media, is what I talk about on the phone with my friends, something that brings up God into the equation, something that God would find honoring and God would find respectful? It's something to think about. Also, something that Kelvin Walker said Uh, who was mentioned in the sermon intro video this morning. Thanks to Mitch Kim uh, for allowing us to use that this morning. Um, Calvin mentions on one of his Facebook posts that one of the things that Christians can do in response to this murder that has happened, to this racism that has just flared up again and revealed its ugly face, is to sit in the lament with those that are lamenting, to understand their pain. Which goes back to understand what it's like to live as a black person in America today. Empathy, compassion, as we read. Lament, he goes on to say, Dr. Uh, 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 Calvin goes on to say, he says, Lament is not a time to soothe or escape the discomfort of the pain. Neither is it a time to invalidate the realities of black and brown that black and brown people face every day in this world. Lament is designed to openly and honestly express the pain of the situation. You bring hope when you sit in the pain with me without trying to discredit, ease, or escape my pain. And I think that's one of the ways we glorify God. In the same way God entered into our pain, into our grief, into our sorrow, and Jesus took all of our sin on his Shoulders, he knows 
what it's like, we need to know what it's like. And so we need to sit with those who are hurting the most. Secondly, we need to get the log out of our own eye. And church, this one's hard. I can't tell you where you're at in processing what happened this week. The murder, the protests, the riots, what has seen, we've seen all around the country. And what seems to have been just this um, slow cooker, that pressure cooker that has just been building all piled onto because of the coronavirus. I don't know where your heart is at, but let me just share with you a couple of questions that I thought about this week that really framed work, really helped me framework how to get the log out of my own eye. I'm not going to tell you the process that I went through. I'm just going to tell you the questions that I asked myself. The one is, what did I feel about what happened this past week? And in particular, Did I feel more outrage over the murder that was videotaped and went viral or the rioting that occurred? What did I feel more about? What caused me more grief? What caused me more anger? I recognize those may be hard to quantify for you and that may not be a fair question, but it is. What caused you more emotion? Just processing that question for me was helpful to understand where the log was in my own eye, which caused me to go back to truth, which caused me to go back to what it's like to be being a black person in America and what it, the Bible says, what God feels about that as well. Secondly, Kelvin also suggested that we need to ask questions about people's stories and experience. It's not enough to imagine. It's not enough to lament. But one of the things that we can do is understand people's personal stories and personal experiences about how they have faced racism in their lives. So glorify God. Get the log out of your own eye. But also, gently restore. Depending on how you process the first two questions, you might need to go and repent of racism. You might need to make a relationship right. You may need to phone up a friend. You may need to pause this recording. You may need to, as soon as the service is over, uh, text a friend and say, hey, can we chat? Because I have something I need to confess and make right with you. I encourage you to do that. Again, how do I gently restore? There are good ways to post on social media, and there are terrible ways to post about what has happened on social media. Be wise. Be honoring God. Be gentle in the way that we respond here. The world is watching. But also, one way that you can begin to gently restore, especially if you're on kind of the outskirts of the brunt of racism, is to give to organizations that are feeling the brunt of racism, who are in the middle of it. 
Um, when we first heard of what happened in Minnesota, we wanted to give to an organization that was dealing with racial reconciliation in the context of the gospel. And Krista has a number of pastor's wives friends all around the world. And so she knew of one that lived in Minnesota. She texted, she Facebook messaged them and said, you know, where can we give money to support uh, racial reconciliation efforts in a gospel context? And immediately the, the friend uh, texted back and said, here's a great organization. Here's where you can give. If that's something that you'd like to consider giving to, then I would encourage you. You can, you can message me. You can message my wife. You can Facebook message us or email me. And we'll be happy to get you that information so that you can do your own research and decide if you want uh, to give to them and support them or not. But that's a way that you can begin to gently restore when you're not in the middle of the brunt of the evil. So there's glorifying God. There's getting the log out of your own eye. There's gently restoring. But there's also going and be reconciling. There's going. Go and be a part of standing with and standing up for our black brothers and sisters, African-Americans in Christ saying enough is enough. There needs to be change. Get involved with local anti-racism efforts that line up with the work of God that he wants to accomplish to connect people to Jesus Christ and help them grow in a caring community. Get involved with local efforts that line up with God's work of the Great Commission. Because this is part of the mission of God, is to bring unity among his church. It was the prayer of Jesus that the church would be one. And so we have an opportunity to stand with those who have been marginalized, who have been trivialized, simply because of the color of their skin, and stand shoulder to shoulder with them and say, enough is enough. I'm going to be looking up all this week uh, local uh, groups that we can partner with and join with so that you have the opportunity to do that. And if you know of groups that are uh, working on anti-racial efforts and racial reconciliation here in the Rochester area and are aligned with the mission of God, with the Great Commission and our mission of connecting people to Jesus Christ and helping them grow in a caring community, then please contact me so that we can share that information together and so that we can start to stand up together with those who are facing the brunt of racism here in our area. There's an old mission saying, actually, that you may have heard if you've been uh, part of our church for a while. You may go back. I remember this was a slogan of how to communicate the need for missions uh, back in the Christian Missionary Alliance in Canada. It was pray, give, go, and send. And all of those three things apply to the application of being a peacemaker. We give, we go, and where we aren't, we send others, we support others to be there. But we also pray, right? We pray, and that's because God's attention is on those who honor him by blessing others in the face of evil. God's face is, is favorable towards those who stand up against this, and he is against those who do evil. So we want to do the right thing. We want to pray against racism. Why? Because racism is a heart issue, and only God can change a heart. So pray for hearts to change. Pray for the day that Jesus will return 
and right every unjust and every racist action. Pray for the day of a great multitude that no one will be able to count from every tribe, every nation, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They're wearing white robes and they're holding palm branches in their hand and they cry out in a loud voice, one voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on, our th- who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Pray for that day. Pray for the day that the just judge, Jesus Christ, comes and rights these wrongs. And pray for salvation. What a picture of what it will be like to have people from every tribe, every skin color, every nation, from around the world, from all of time, praising God for his salvation, praising Jesus Christ for his death and resurrection. And we can help bring that about by praying, sending, giving, and going. Trinity family, now is not the time for silence. Now is the time to be like-minded, to be sympathetic, to love one another, to be compassionate and humble, and to repay evil with blessing. As you sit with your family this week and as you meet in your growth groups this week, here are a couple of questions that you can wrestle through. When was the first time you encountered racism personally? I recognize this is a difficult question. but let's share our experiences. When was the first time you encountered racism personally? That's the first question. The second question is, what is one thing you can do this week as a follower of Jesus to repay the evil of racism done to you, done to others? What is one thing you can do this week as a follower of Jesus to repay the evil of racism with blessing? How will you pray? How will you give? How will you go? Who will you send? How will you send? I know that's a lot of information, church. And that's why we've simplified it down to pray, give, go, and send. Our black brothers and sisters in Christ are crying out that they can't breathe. It is time for us, regardless of our skin color, to stand with them in the gap to help them breathe. Church, let's rise. And let's be the blessing the world needs. And let's watch what God will do. Will you bow your head with me as we pray? Jesus, Lord Jesus, bring justice. Lord Jesus, 
raise up your church, raise up us, this church, to stand with those who have been oppressed for too long, who live in fear, Would you help us to stand and say, no more. We pray for them. We pray for our leaders. We pray for justice. And we pray that Jesus would come and that he would right these wrongs. We pray for his salvation to come and to be apparent. In the middle of this evil, Lord, would your Holy Spirit pour down from heaven like at Pentecost. And may your church come alive, rise up and stand up together so that you change hearts. Lord, we long for the day when we can stand face to face, shoulder to shoulder with every tribe, nation, nationality, tongue, from all of time, from all of eternity, and declare with one voice that salvation belongs to you. And we ask that we would get a glimpse of that from what has happened this week. I pray that we would get a glimpse of that. Lord, we pray for the family of George Floyd. We pray for Minnesota. We pray for Rochester. We pray for all of the cities that are just under this incredible crucible of, of demonstration, of riots. And we ask God that you would be present in this, that your church would be present in this, that we would be present in this by praying, giving, going, sending. Lord, would you help us to be a blessing? And would you move in a way that we give all the glory to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. May God bless you as you are a blessing to others.